what we measure are the perspectives that people take. And of course, there are, you know, the developmental perspectives line up with the developmental stages of development uh, very, very well. But they also, I mean, people who are in their spiritual life also take uh, perspectives, insightful perspectives on a spiritual level, which mm-hmm. which are, in, in my view, embedded in the developmental frame as well. So it is a growing up of consciousness. And of course, as our consciousness changes, so does our behavior, you know, and uh, uh, everything about us changes when we change our minds. Collective Insights is a voyage through topics and technologies revolutionizing human well-being. Groundbreaking approaches for a better world and a better life await you. Welcome to Collective Insights. Hi, I'm Dr. Dan Stickler. Before we get into today's episode, I want to talk to you about a protocol that I'm passionate about that I use in my practice. You know, everyone wants to slow down aging, but few are really doing it the right way. There's something I do recommend for my clients doing just two days a month. It's a bodily cleanse that helps get rid of old defective cells. These are sometimes called senescent cells or referred to as zombie cells. And they are shown to be related to so many symptoms of poor aging. This bodily cleanse is a supplement which contains a group of ingredients called senolytics. Senolytic ingredients help our body to flush senescent cells helping with easier repair and rejuvenation from muscles to joints to how we feel every day. Qualia Synolytic is the bodily cleanse supplement taken just two days a month for healthy aging that you have to try. Now, research on aging and longevity, including a beta study on Qualia Synolytic, shows that Synolytic supplementation can play a huge role in enhancing how we age. Now, to learn more about Synolytic research and to try Qualia Synolytic risk-free for 100 days, Go to neurohacker.com, use the code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, for a free gift with purchase. That's Qualius Synolytic for better aging at neurohacker.com. All right, welcome to the Collective Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Dan Stickler, for this amazing session. This was a personal request from me to uh, have Dr. Terry O'Fallon on the show, uh, become a huge fan over the last several years and really um, got to know her fairly well over the last probably three or four months now. And so uh, I wanted to share her gifts with with many people because I think this is something that um, many of you will find valuable. So to give you some some background on Dr. O'Fallon, Terry states that she's lived enough life to appreciate her own tarnished halo. Life has polished her rather than worn her out. She is the oldest of six siblings, and they literally grew up in a house that was like Little House on the Prairie um, in central Montana. Uh, She went on to receive her bachelor's degree in science and education, Uh, She worked as a teacher, school superintendent, and and also as a principal, went on to complete her PhD and has taught um, in the university level for probably the past 20 years, I would say. Um, Her life's purpose seems to be culminating in her work with the stages model, and this is what we're going to be talking about today. It's a scoring system that is derived from Ken Wilber's quadrant polar pairs, which provide the frame for his AQAL quadratic theory. So welcome, Terry. And I would love to start off with you just telling us about growing up in central Montana and becoming a teacher in these one-room schoolhouses. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Dan. It's really good to be here with you and to see you again so soon after the conference and retreat that we just shared together a few days ago. Um, Well, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about how I grew up and where I grew up is that <clears throat> that I've had the opportunity to live the life of more generations than most people, because when I grew up, um, Montana was, uh, uh, and our part of Montana was far enough behind the the at least the city cultures that we had no running water. 
We had no indoor bathroom. We had, uh, you know, until I was five, I had no electricity. There was no telephone until I was 15. <clears throat> so I grew up in a, it truly was a little house on the prairie and I'm the oldest of seven siblings. Um, my youngest brother is 18 years younger than I. And when you grow up like that, there is, a, a, you know, not a lot of exterior um, influences on you except for nature and your own family and your own extended family. Um, so it's just truly a, a, a sense of in a, real innocence, I think, is, is what I had the opportunity to um, experience during all those years. Um, so that's a little bit of the background. Uh, my mother had all kinds of educational um, aspirations for me, and I didn't even know that what an educational aspiration was, but she did. So she worked it out so that I could go to college. I started out teaching when I was 19 years old. I had uh, a first grade class. And um, in those days in Montana, you could get a teaching certificate with only two years of college. It was the last, I was the last set of people that got that certificate after my, uh, um, after those two years, uh, they insisted that people get a bachelor's degree after that. And once I got a touch of teaching and of education, it just never, never left me. My mother had a good idea of what I would be good at, and she was right, <laughs> I have to say. So I've been educating uh, all my life in one form or another from, uh, you know, kindergarten, um, um, all of the grades in elementary and high school. Uh, <clears throat> um, uh, university teaching, um, as you mentioned, um, uh, being an administrator of public schools, both in as a superintendent and as a, as a principal, then going on um, to get my PhD and eventually helping set up the GTC program, which is something that many of you are familiar with. And uh, you're right, my last, I don't know if it's my last yet, I haven't figured out what the last thing is I'll be doing yet, you know, things change all the time. And um, so, you know, that's a little bit of a sketch of my life, but all those generations in between, I had an opportunity to experience and actually live in them. Um, and I know, you know, now the millennial, uh, the many millennials are really um, leaping forward. And I have a really a wonderful bunch of beautiful young people in that generation. And my grandchildren are in the following generation. So that's a lot of generations to have experience in. And I celebrate that because I just think every generation has so much to offer and uh, especially much to offer the collective aspects of our world, our country, our communities, and how not only do we grow up individually uh, by taking on greater perspectives, but we also uh, have the opportunity to uh, have a, a say in what kind of collective we live in in our lives. And um, having seen so many different levels of them, I, I really feel blessed that I've had an opportunity to have a live experience of so many of them. Yeah, you've had um, quite an exposure to developmental levels more so than, than most people could, uh, could say that they have. And you know, this stages model that, that you've developed um, really is one of the most impactful models that I've, I've ever experienced personally in not only looking at the developmental stages of myself, um, but also really getting a better understanding of my progression through, through these various levels. And I guess would we say this is developmental levels of consciousness? Would that be the best way to kind of summarize it? Well, many there are many descriptions. What we measure are the perspectives that people take. And of course, 
there are, you know, the developmental perspectives line up with the developmental stages of development uh, very, very well. But they also, I mean, people who are in their spiritual life also take uh, perspectives, insightful perspectives on a spiritual level, which mm-hmm. which are, in, in my view, embedded in the developmental frame as well. So it is a growing up of consciousness. And of course, as our consciousness changes, so does our behavior, you know, and uh, uh, everything about us changes when we change our minds. So whether it's, uh, you know, a perspectival change or ways that we think and and um, uh, analyze and um, feel and uh, um, but also the moral development that we take on through the years and the understanding of our shadows and on the aspects of ourselves that that are maybe are less unwise that need to grow up too. So yeah, I've learned a lot about my shadows that I denied existed in the last couple of months. Um, Guess what? Uh, You're a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always said, Oh, my childhood was perfect. There was nothing there. You know, I had everything and, and sure enough, they come up and once you start paying attention to them, you realize that there were, aspects of your life that you just kind of glossed over in that regard. Um, but you know, this, this model model takes, takes you through different tiers. So we start off with 1.0, 1.5, and it goes all the way to, to seven, 7.5. And uh, some people look at that as like a competition of, Oh, I'm more conscious than you are, uh, which this is absolutely not. Um, it's just a defining of, of the stage of development, which I found really interesting. I mean, from my standpoint, um, I took the assessment back in August and um, I'd been going through, I mean, my last, the last year I'd been going through this process that I thought I was actually starting to lose my mind because I had lost real interest and motivation in doing things. I just, I just interviewed Rick Hansen a couple of weeks ago and talked about this with him as well, but I, um, I didn't have the motivation to do anything. I didn't see the point of doing anything, um, which was completely different for me because I've always been driven, um, driven based on money, success, um, that kind of stuff, you know, being a surgeon and, um, and all of that. But in the last year that all went away. I mean, I didn't care about money anymore. I didn't really see the point in, in working. I just wanted to play an experience and and just have fun in life. Um, (laughs) and then when I was doing my debrief on my assessment, uh, Heidi was telling me all this stuff that I'd been going through. And I was like, that's exactly what I've been going through. And people thought I was losing my mind. I thought I was losing my mind with it. And uh, she told me that some people in this stage, actually just, they walk away from their jobs. They walk away from their marriages. They move to a different city. And then they realize that, Oh, this was just a little transformation that was going through or a big one. Yes, it was because, you know, when you, when you jump a tier, there's each perspective has three aspects to it. And when you transform into the next uh, major perspective, at least one of those aspects has to change. And um, you, in this transformation, uh, you changed all three of them. So you can Mm -hmm. see that's one of the biggest ones. One of the things that people don't understand sometimes about transformation is that that, uh, um, quite often people don't think something is going on that's right. They think something is going on that's wrong. And of course that doesn't help you get through the transformation at all. If you're, you know, pulling back from it and, and worried and, and uh, about, about what's happening to you and, and have that kind of concern. So, you know, uh, one of the big messages I constantly give to people is when you're in a sense of confusion, when you're, you know, feel like you are getting into a big change, don't make the assumption that something is wrong. 
check out and see if you're if you're in a transformation because something might be right and then you can laugh at the little glitches you have because every transformation has you know some confusions and some wavy places that where you don't get what's happening right away and you can just laugh at yourself and say well you know that's just part of this process right now and i'll get there at some point but right now i can just be in the process and enjoy it and it makes that transformation so much simpler and one of the things that are, we feel very strongly about, well, there's several things, but one of them is that that there's no hurry to grow up. And, uh, you know, um, it, what's important is, is that, that you become very healthy at the stage you're at, uh, especially if you've got a lot of shadow material, because you don't want those shadows to grow developmentally too. Some of them will, some of them will stay down at an, I mean, shadows have a developmental level, but some of them can grow up into greater, greater shadows and others may stay a younger part of your younger self and that sort of thing. So you have to pay attention to where those shadows rest, but you sure don't want any of them to you know, to grow up and be more agile and lively than they already are. So, you know, growing up is not really an issue that we're concerned about, but we are concerned about people when your families and your communities see somebody like you start changing, they're wondering what's going on and they want you to be the way you used to be in, you know, that can put a lot of pressure on a person in a transformation. A transformations are bewildering anyway, you know. So, so um, we just want people to be able to know where they are in their own developmental frame and celebrate where they are, do the best they can to just become as healthy as they can where they are. And if they're in a transformation, especially a three parameter transformation, you really want to get some good information about that. And if you know where you are, you'll probably know where the next stage is going to be. So you can be on the lookout for it a little bit more than you would be if you didn't have any sense at all where you were at. So so getting to know these developmental stages are really important. Now, you made a good point a few minutes ago about the um, about, um, uh, you know, that it's more than just a ladder that you climb up. It really isn't in our view. It's more like blowing up a balloon so that, you know, a baby is just a tiny little balloon because they're just born. However, you blow the balloon up and you blow the whole balloon up, but you wouldn't say that the baby's balloon is less valuable than yours is just because it's not blown up as much, you know. Uh, Every stage is really, really critical and really valuable. And so um, we celebrate every single stage. Uh, I love every one of them. And every one of them have their own imperfections, of course. But we live through it and other people live through it. And that's part of the spice of life, I guess, is learning and understanding, you know, the areas that that we don't see well yet and, and then growing into those areas. So, yeah. Yeah, the uh, the thing that I've found really interesting is looking at understanding these stages helped me to better communicate with people um, because I couldn't, there are many times I would talk to people and I couldn't understand why they wouldn't get it. I'm like, it's just, it's so simple, but it's, it's also that the stage that they're at, they, they're receptive in a certain way and communicating in, in the way I was doing wasn't, wasn't effective. Um, and so being able to identify those those stages uh, has helped me a lot with with my communication with patients, with friends, with family, even um, because, you know, you just you really honor the person for the stage that they're in. Right. You've got it better than a lot of people do. There's a preferred communication approach with every developmental level, you know. And sometimes their preferred approach to communicating isn't at all your favorite one. (laughs) So uh, that's so often why we're like ships passing in the night. You know, we're at different developmental levels. We use our favorite communication style. It doesn't match up with somebody else's. And we make the assumption that they don't understand. uh, And they probably are making the same assumption of us. You just don't understand. But basically, uh, you know, it's it's. The 
the capacity of perspective that we can take and the communication approach that we prefer at a perspective that we're at that sometimes causes, you know, dissent and, and disengagement with people when actually, you know, once you understand that, you can see the beauty of what they're saying and they could see the beauty of what you're saying, understanding that it's just not my favorite way of communicating, you know, you can listen from new ears. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, the, um, the other thing I wanted to address in that was the sometimes the disparity that occurs in couples. This was at the retreat. This was a topic area that um, that my wife and I um, wanted to explore in understanding, you know, couples that have different um, different levels that they're at and how that works. Because we saw there were a couple of the uh, participants there that were uh, a bit di disenchanted, I guess, because they were progressing in, into um, the, the upper or higher levels. I, I don't like to use that term, but you no, know, we just, just call them later, but it's later. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they were frustrated by it. But then there were others that, that were, very different. I mean, you know, three levels apart, even that they had great relationships. Mm -hmm. So, um, how does, how does that kind of play out with, with most people? I mean, is it, is it usually that they do create that loving bond that stays there despite changing, changing levels or, or does it typically fall apart? Well, sometimes it falls apart as a result of, of and some, some matches are more strained than others. For instance, if you have one person in the couple who is at a, what we call a 0.0 stage, an active stage, and then the other one is in a receptive stage, I mean, it just doesn't, it, it's a little bit like oil and water. And if you have one person at a, a, an earlier 0.0 stage and another person at a later 0.0 stage, you're both, you know, kind of flowing along and it works out a little better. Or you have one person that is at an earlier 0.5 stage and a later person at a 0.5 stage, you're both active. So, you know, you just can kind of, so it's when we have a, a you know, more of a, of a laid back receptive experience uh, connected with somebody that's a very active, uh, you know, um, process that we see the most dissension and the biggest trouble. One of the things that I always like to tell people, though, is that it does not matter. And I'm sure you know this uh, because you've you've been around uh, your with your relationship for a, a while now. Nobody ever stays the same. And, you know, you have to make up your, and once you understand that some things are going to be rough and you, you can use the model to determine what causes, you know, the, the, the edgy parts, you'll notice that, you know, if one of you moves on into a, um, a 0.0 stage and the other one is at a 0.5 stage and you notice discomfort there, you can just look at the model and say, oh, that that's one reason why, you know, one, one of us is, you know, in a completely different mindset when it comes to, you know, the our, our view of communication, our view of action orientation, our view of intersubjectivity, you know, our, our way of, of uh, our cognitive approaches, our emotional approaches, all of those change, you know, so uh, they won't always match. And this is the beautiful thing about understanding this, because you understand at some point they're going to change and they'll be more like you. And then some point you're going to change or you or you might change and then you'll be more like them. So you have to make a commitment to stay through these, you know, niggly times. And it does nothing but, you know, making a commitment like that with a perfectly good relationship that just is going through a bump, you know, making a commitment like that. Uh, usually, in my experience, will um, it's kind of like uh, it will file off the rough edges, <laughs> mm -hmm. and you learn to love that person even more 
just because you understand that they're going through a transformation or you love that person more because you're going through a transformation. They see you're putting up, they're putting up with you as you're experimenting mm -hmm. with all of this. And, and um, many people can't get through that because they think that the change is a forever after change. They don't see that there's probably going to be multiple changes in a relationship over time. And do you have the commitment to stick through those relationships to help each other when they're in a transformation to support them to be supported? What a difference it makes because, you know, when you have two perfectly beautiful people, and especially if they're so young, they don't understand these developmental levels, you know, many, many divorces happen at this, for instance, the 3.5 level. If you've got a 3.0 and a 3.5 together, many happen between a 3.5 uh, and a 4.0. 4.0 just goes through this. It's almost a crazy making time compared to what 3.5 is at. And they do not understand at all. They're, I, I, I'm not, I don't have any statistics on this, but my experience is that, that that's the time when there's more likely to be a divorce or, or when you have those kinds of changes. And we went through, um, I guess in the more subtle tiers, uh, I think we moved fairly easily through those um, mm -hmm. in the, our, our personal constructs. Um, but it was that, uh, that three-part transition that was, that was so rough, but we had such a great relationship that you know, she would uh, get after me for not being focused on work anymore, you know, because we not only do our we partners, but we we also own businesses together. And uh, she couldn't understand why I had lost all of my, my drive and motivation. And now she's going through that. <laughs> and I'm like, I understand it all because I just went through it. So it's easy for me to hold that space for her while she's, uh, while she's navigating this. And uh, I, I think it's it's been a beautiful journey for us. Um, but um, one of the things that we talked about um, in, in one of our groups at the retreat, um, we were talking about how the, the Eastern philosophies, Eastern religions seem to become more forefront in the, in, the latter tiers um, of the developmental stages. Uh, many, many people that were were at that had talked about taking uh, bodhisattva vows and mm -hmm. um, practicing a lot of the the Eastern uh, practices. Is this is this because the Eastern practices really kind of tapped into this very early on? Or is it that the as we we progress through these different um, um, stages, do you become more aware of aspects of that uh, philosophy? Well, um, you may have run into more people in the retreat who were in the Western or in the, in the Eastern traditions, mm -hmm. but I have to say that the Christian tradition has that very same, when it grows up, it grows up to, uh, you know, the same kind of understanding. Uh, and you just have to work with, uh, with people like Father Thomas Keating, uh, with, um, Meister Eichhardt with some of these kinds of, of, of saints. Um, there's quite a number of, of Christian uh, uh, Christians who really, uh, you know, they've stepped into uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, you know, and some of the Eastern traditions because it so much matches their own. And I don't know if, if the Eastern traditions tend to move uh, into the Christian uh, mindset either. But one of the things I've noticed is that when you get dissatisfied with your own spiritual path, you tend to, to glom onto one that's completely different than the one you're in. And so in the United States, you know, it's a highly Christianized nation uh, by comparison to other, other traditions. And uh, so, you know, I think that they sometimes become very attracted because they get to to the Eastern traditions. Not to say that 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 uh, everyone does that, but I did notice that some of the people who I knew uh, 
who moved here, who grew up in the Eastern traditions, they were, they were, you know, um, embracing Christianity, totally different path. So, you know, um, I think it's easy to break with the path that we're in when we're, when we are fishing around for something that can give us some insights. But um, if you read Roger Walsh's book, Essential Spirituality, he did a, a, a wonderful study on the major religions and how they are, the, the, there were significant aspects of all those major religions that are very, very much the same. And um, so, you know, I think you could uh, use any one of them. The thing that you're bringing forward, though, is that there's something very important that starts happening at the 4.0 pluralist stage. And that is for the first time, they bring awareness to things that is not that are not themselves you know they they aren't they aren't it's it's beyond being self-aware they become aware of later level cognition and emotions they become aware of of assumptions for instance they can pick up assumptions uh they they go beyond fact and and um in interpretation uh, to look, looking at, you know, an assumption, uh, noticing that there are assumptions for, for example, uh, maybe a fact, but it may also be an interpretation, but it is your assumption. And then you often take it as a fact or you take it as an interpretation, but, but um, assumptions go beyond, but you need to have a level of awareness to see an assumption. You also have to have a level of awareness to see projections. And at 4.0, people can see other, other folks projecting on them. Oh, he's just projecting on me. Oh, she's just projecting on me. They don't see when they're projecting on other people yet, though. <laughs> That's the trick there. <laughs> that happens at the next developmental level. So you need to be aware in order to see this. And awareness is a remarkable capacity. And the, the, in my view, the basis, one of the most important aspects of um the the later spiritual states uh begin at this 4.0 stage they of course they can get them at earlier stages too but in order to become 4.0 you have to have awareness because the major aspects of that 4.0 stage can't be seen without awareness and awareness is is kind of the 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 t that fits with both the the um, the um, the developmental stages of relativity and the spiritual stages, and it fits both. And from then on, it just it just grows, and um, along with um, the developmental stages, you can't actually get into four point until you're aware. Uh, for instance, you know, you most people, well, people don't see their own subpersonalities, their own ego states until they're at 4.0. They have to be aware in order to see something that refined in themselves. They don't see their assumptions. They don't see their projections. There's all of these things. They don't see complex adaptive systems. There's so many things they can't see without without awareness, awareness on the interior and awareness on the exterior. So so awareness is a pivotal point and it's a, a joiner uh, and of course there's a lot of other things that you need to, to be able to get insight to in order to move towards awakening or even the last stages of development in in the stages model the 6.5 level uh, but um, it, it's a journey at that level at 4.0 and later the journey is gradually bringing together you know, the states and the stages. And not to say that you can't do that earlier. It's just that you can't get into those later stages without those more advanced states. Yeah, I, uh, I have found that the, the teachings that, that you've developed have been really helpful for moving through that stuff. Um, I think had had I not discovered you I, <laughs> in stages, I would have 
I think I would have been stuck in this stage for quite a while because I didn't understand any aspect of it. Um, and, and I think that's one of the most valuable things that I have uh, discovered from, from this, but let's talk a little bit about the assessment. Um, it's an interesting assessment. Um, one like I've never taken before, um, where you use a sentence stem model for people to complete. And when you told when we were at the retreat and you were talking about how many thousands of stems you went through and categorized to come up with these 36 stems, um, I, I was just blown away. Well, Lovinger uh, and Suzanne uh, Kokroider both use the 36 STEM model, but in order to categorize, I went through all of their manuals um, three or four times in order to categorize them into Ken Wilber's model, and that's the main, and into a scoring system that that uh, uh, that worked with the con connection between those two. And so I'm standing, you know, I was standing on the shoulders of very great people who, uh, you know, and all I uh, contributed toward was was connecting these two great capacities, philosophies. And I had a lot of help, you know, I mean, I had there, I, I certainly didn't do this by myself. So, but um, one thing uh, I have I've had, I've had a persistence and a, a draw for some reason of of this whole process and um and uh i think that you really hit on something very very uh it's a it's not a documented thing yet but i think you've hit on something when you say it. you might have gotten stuck because one of the things that we know about about um all of these uh, developmental models is that when you get to teal or uh, as ken calls it or 4.5, as we call it, or, uh, you know, uh, it, Lovinger used to, I think, think he called, she called it integrated, or, and some people have called it strategist, but it's all about the same stage, there may be a few minor differences, but when you get to that stage, you can see that there are developmental levels, and just the very fact that you can see that you've been through a lot of developmental levels, and that every person is in a developmental perspective, you know there are more to come. And so you have the motivation, or at least the, if not the motivation and the intention, in, intention to, to grow uh, um, vertically, dia diagonally, and horizontally, uh, at least you understand that it's likely to happen anyway, because it's already happened to you eight times, you know. Mm -hmm. Before that stage, though, you don't know that. And so if you get stuck, Let's say that you have a big awakening experience and you manage to to do a good job of of waking up as completely as anybody knows at the 4.0 stage. 4.0 stage doesn't know their development levels yet. And so what motivation or what insights would they have towards learning more from a developmental perspective would there be? So I think some people, uh, I think it is a possibility that that stuckness could happen, you know, especially for particular stages that don't understand how these, how we grow up vertically. We grow up many, we grow up like a balloon, but you know, you don't want to have a flat balloon. You want to have a big round balloon that's vertical and horizontal and, and uh, you know, diagonal and, and a nice round balloon. You don't want a, a skinny ground uh, balloon laying on the ground, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you you want to blow the, your whole balloon up, you know, the, the self of, of, and then eventually the balloon at, uh, disappears, you know, and you find your everything and and nothing, as some people say. So, I can tell you, I find that the people at these later levels, uh, the loving nature of them from a collective aspect is is mind-blowing i mean they the all of the people that i met at the conference and um at the retreat were people that you just kind of develop instant friendships with and you know a lot of people will look at at consciousness levels more from a from a knowing or intellectual standpoint, but that that emotional, that empathetic um, 
I mean, as I've gone into later levels, my, my emotions came online, um, which is something that I, I had constructed myself to not um, really display emotions and to, uh, you know, be that, that masculine person that, uh, that my father and that generation really uh, emphasized as far as not paying attention to the emotions. And that came on for me pretty strong and meeting a bunch of people that, that also were experiencing that was, was really valuable for me. Yeah, so, you know, your senses grow up, and that includes the emotional, the visual, the auditory, the kinesthetic are the primary ones, I think. And, uh, you know, uh, so, um, you know, your reflective capacities get much greater, they grow up into a witnessing capacity that is far, far greater than anything that you can get at an earlier level. Um, the kinesthetic emotional aspects, um, uh, also uh, grow up energetically. You you can feel much finer vibratory aspects uh, as time goes on. You can feel the aliveness in your own body, um, even though at times you don't know where your body begins and something else ends, you know. Uh, so you become much larger in your own liveliness, uh, uh, liveliness aspect. That, uh, and then you attune you attune to people with your uh, with your listening capacities and your speaking capacities so that you can attune to the other person that you're talking to and and you feel a resonance there in the in that and and the right words come out also the listening uh, the right listening uh, and some people advanced, you know, that are at earlier levels of development because of some kind of background that they've had can have, can grow these uh, capacities up uh, um, faster. I know that my mother was the best attuner I've ever met. Uh, uh, she seldom said a word, but people could speak into her listening so and her listening was so powerful that she didn't say a word. And when they got done talking to her, they'll say, oh, thank you so much. I'm so <laughs> glad I, 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 you, helped, you helped me get where, you know, you helped me figure this out. And she didn't say a word, you know. I experienced that many, many times. Some people get very, very good at these. But the tendency when you get, start moving into the metaware tier is to, is to, to, get better at them and doesn't mean you're not going to fall flat on your face from time to time it just happens you know even the best of us um uh and the most mature people have have their um you know bumps in the road it's just a part of human life and you have to love it but um but these capacities the sensory capacities and the uh Emotional capacities really, really continue and and grow and change and uh, and uh, uh, especially, you know, love and compassion, the positive energies, the positive emotions, uh, really can start. Uh, you know, emotions like love and compassion uh, start at a very early developmental level, but they grow up all our lives. It doesn't matter how late we are developmentally or how realized we are in our in our spiritual life. Uh, those emotions extend uh, farther, a farther and farther reach. It's less and less about me, more and more about the we or, or other people. Uh, and uh, 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 we just don't know the depths to what, to where these emotions can go and the positive ripple it has on everyone around us. So, yeah. So I know a lot of people are going to want to uh, look into getting this assessment after, after hearing this. Um, so it, when you go to stagesinternational.com, there's a link to um, to order an assessment. Now that you have two there, though, you have the personal assessment and then you have the leadership assessment. What's what would make one person choose one over the other? Well, uh, the personal assessment has um, 
The, I, let me start with the leadership one. It has six stems in it that relate to your leadership. And in that test, you get a, a subtest. The first test, there's enough there to let you know what your personal developmental level is, but you also can see what your leadership level is like. And uh, some people that are in business or, or uh, you know, consulting and that sort of thing would like to have some insight into that. Mm -hmm. So that's good. The other one is uh, is more just looking at your personal. We have some stems that in in that one that are, uh, you know, that where you can get some insights into leadership as well, but not as many. And we haven't verified the stems as much as we have. We've got statistical grounding in the the six stems that we have in the leadership inventory. So you actually get two inventories there the personal and the leadership. Uh, but um, the other one is mostly about uh, we. what we like to do is have, we understand that we're giving people an opportunity to use their own words, not somebody else's words, which happens so much when you have, you know, um, forced choice or, or, you know, all of these quicker assessments. It takes us a while to score these. But we want to see what is your own personal interpretation here and not somebody else's words about interpretation. What are your words? We have 36 sentences that that can um, evoke uh, your response in these 36 different contexts. And we've categorized those sentence stems in four areas. One are your interiors, which include emotional and your cognitive. Another is your um, uh, your action orientation. Uh, what are you doing in the world, and what, do you, what? How do you? How is your internal and interior and exterior behavior? The third one is your inner subjectivity. How you relate with other people, and the fourth area is. Um, uh, what kind of structures are you recognizing? Because, you know, um, uh, that makes a big difference as to your capacity to see larger parts of the world. Are you seeing only the humanity or are you starting to see the interconnection of all, all of the planetary aspects? Are you seeing the universe? You know, those are all structural aspects. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, we, we look to see if there's balance there because one of the most important things, and then we have, there are some, some ways that we can see people's shadows. Some of your people's shadows will come out in some of those areas. So the important thing is, is you know, that we do the best that we can to show people um, based on the research that we know about their emotions, about balancing their emotions with their cognitive capacities, about balancing all four of those, you know, interiors, uh, action orientation, intersubjectivity, relationships with other people, and the structural aspects of the, of the whole are you anemic in some of those areas? Are some of them completely missing? Or are you muscle bound in some of the areas? That's where you, you're good, but you're too good because you're they're overwhelming the other areas. We look for a, a, as much as a, a perfect balance as we can. And once we um, do the audit on your, on your stems, the scoring and the audit, then we come up with the recommendations based on is, you know, making that stage that you scored at as strong as it can be, as healthy as it can be, taking care of any shadow elements we see, taking care of any imbalances that we see. And then you don't have to ever worry about developing to the next stage because when you're in balance, it just happens naturally. You just naturally grow up into the next, uh, you blow your balloon up a little bit bigger when you're balanced. So that's kind of the way we look at it. We take a great deal of time and attention with these particular inventories. We've got some that are a little faster, but they don't give you this information. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit of a sketch of the inventory itself. I hope it's been helpful for you, Dan. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, I mean, this whole thing. I did, there's courses offered on, on the Stages International site too. And um, I ended up, my wife and I both signed up for the 12 month, uh, mind's eye, which uh, has been, has been huge for us. I mean, to be able to look back at, at 
your constructs of yourself at different stages and really identifying those has been pretty amazing. Um, and, and the deconstructing of self on several of these uh, layers as well. Um, but I mean, it's hugely valuable. Even, even just one of the things we were talking about was for parents in, in the way that they interact with their children, knowing what those characteristics are of, of the stage that that child's in. It doesn't do you any good to, and it can be detrimental by, by relating to them at a stage that they're not um, there yet. So, um, you know, we want to incorporate some of this into, into our medical practice because we do a lot of preconception and, um, and birth planning and, and early years of life. So um, that's been valuable as well. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I am in such gratitude for having met you and what you've created. Um, and I, I want to share this with as many people as possible because it's just, it's been so transformative for me and others that have, that have gone through it. Well, I appreciate this so much, Dan. And, um, of course, you know, uh, one of the things that is always so important is to recognize that, that we were socially constructed by parents who didn't know they were doing the social construction, but we also are socially constructing other people. So now we know that we can learn to uh, adapt our behavior to the best uh, hopes and dreams of the person we're around so that we don't cause harm to them. Because sometimes parents cause harm to their children and they don't know it. They have their favorite parenting style and they don't know that that style is not appropriate for, for instance, a two-year-old. It's great for a, a, a birth or it's not a appropriate for a teenager. It's, you know, and it can still be the favorite parenting style. So, you know, you learn to adapt and adjust. And then, uh, then maybe when you're raising your children, uh, you have a better idea of what can can keep can help them stay healthy through those stages there's so many just little ways like that that we can can uh just try to understand so we won't do harm because nobody very few people intend to do harm it's just the inadvertent uh i call it little ignorances that we have along the way that <laughs> prevent us from from uh giving the best of what we have to people so yes well, again, thank you so much, and I appreciate you taking the time today to to sit for this interview. I know you've had a very busy two weeks here, um, so get some rest, and uh, I guess I'll see you Thursday night. <laughs> Thursday. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is for informational purposes only. The podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You should not use the information on the podcast for diagnosing or treating a health problem or disease or prescribing any medication or other treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider before taking any medication or nutritional, herbal, or homeopathic supplement, and with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this or any other podcast. Reliance on the podcast is solely at your own risk. Information provided on the podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship between you and any of the health professionals affiliated with our podcast. Information and statements regarding dietary supplements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to therein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician. This podcast is owned by Neurohacker Collective.